listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Bracken, I'm grabbing the start of this episode by the horns. Taking it. Grab them. Because I want to remind people right off the bat that we are giving away three people, three full years of the running public training plan of their choice if they simply go write us a review on their podcast app, whatever they use. has to be a written review, but written review, you're in the pool. Three people are getting an entire year free of the running public training plan. Right now we have our run, pure run plan and our OCR plan. We have some new drops probably coming as well. So go write a review. Doesn't matter what you rate us or what you write. It'll be put in the wheel of numbers and three lucky people will be drawn. And we're giving you till the first of the year to do it. So as long as it's submitted by January 1, you're in the mix. And I like your odds because as of today, we have 30 new reviews. So that's a 10% chance as of now that you could win a free year on the plan. I'm hoping more come in. January 1st deadline. Please do it. It makes our hearts warm. There. It's a lot of math. I gave my spiel. A lot of math for me early this morning, but I like the sentiment. I'll trust you on the numbers. <clears throat> also, dropping one one. We're in a special year this year, Kirk, where January 1st is a Monday, mm-hmm. which just aligns perfectly for starting new things because people always want to be like, oh, I can't start on a Wednesday. It's like, you don't have to this year. You get to start your new year on a Monday. Well, you get started with us with our new ultra plan and our new hybrid plan on Training Peaks. By the time this episode goes live, you will be able to click and purchase it on our website. Still, same old $19.99 a month pricing, and it's going to make you a monster. I didn't know we were launching it this soon. We have this to. is news to me. We have to. <laughs> Okay, I love it. Yeah, if you, the little OCD side of you wants to start nice and clean on one one twenty four on a Monday, like get on it, get on it now. It. You can cancel it anytime. Nineteen ninety ninety five ninety nine a month. I forget ninety nine. It's the cheapest what gift to yourself. Cheapest Get a little Christmas money from Grandma laying around. Yeah, that's right. Use that. And hey, I've read a lot of read a lot of the reviews that came in so far. Very nice words. So those that took the time, more than anything, thank you for um, making us feel special. Um, and then yes, where can they get the running public training plan Bracken? where can they go find that? The running That's it. Simple. Click on plans. I believe. Yep. There are coaching plans. It's in there. Click on coaching and then they will be there. <clears throat> Little description of what we're doing. Easy to get started. Cheap. Cancel anytime you want. This is a big commercial for us. This is, we are really, this is a big pitch for us, but we're excited about it. So do it. <laughs> I'm starting to get uncomfortable. I noticed we just hit the three minute mark and we've, it's we've only transition. shamelessly self promoted and that's icky. So let's move on. I am pushing through today for the greater good of the running public because I'm not going to work because I came down with a bug, but <clears throat> you know, Christmas gathering sort of thing. But we're here and we're doing this. And, uh, you told me before we started recording that you are a little beat up because grandpa played basketball. Yeah, we have our high school alumni tournament every Christmas, and we haven't played in eight years, I don't think. And a buddy of mine from high school, teammate of mine, said he's getting the squad back together. So I've seen one of these gentlemen in seven years. 
You have no idea what you're getting into. We showed up, and last night was the first round of the tournament. And I play basketball twice a week with my dad and the teachers and coaches in the the district. But I, I like I coast through it. The, the goal is not to exert myself too much. It can't impact training, and I can't get hurt. Those are my rules. And last night I played hard for the first time in years. I'm really sore today, Kirk. However, cardio is still king. And in the second half, the running legs were there. Even though I was already getting sore, cardio is cardio, and it was waiting. You know, it always surprised me how <clears throat> much exertion basketball takes. In the yeah. winters in high school, we get together and play in basketball. Uh, when I was coming off of cross country fitness, so we go play hard, right? Like we would try to murder each other out there and it was against some kids. We didn't really like that much. There was a real rivalry there and some mm -hmm. disdain. So it, we went hard and I remember the out of breath and the legs going jelly on me after a couple of sprints and fast cuts, even though I had been just running linearly, of course, it's a different kind of fitness. My legs today feel like I ran a, a mountain race <clears throat> on technical terrain. All the same areas are worked. It's wild. Hmm. Getting old. Getting Some too old call for that this training then, not exercising. That's right. I was training last night. And you got well, sore I, too um, on Christmas, you said. Ugh, I, so I had not run outside for over a week. Um, some shin splints have popped up, and that seems to be my nemesis. You know, long term, I've dealt with them since high school. Um, <clears throat> and very familiar with tibial stress fractures. So anyways, my workaround... And especially in light of one of my favorite conversations we've ever had, which last week um, with Matt Fitzgerald and Ryan uh, Whited about workarounds. So I was on the treadmill going uphill trying to work around shin splints all week. I didn't take any impact for like eight or nine days in a row. And then on Christmas, I thought I deserved to treat myself and get out on the ground again. And I was ready to. It was part of the plan. And it felt so good. I went out and ran, I don't know what it is, 14 miles. And I hadn't taken impact in nine days um i could not believe like my run fitness is good but holy cow does impact matter for you treadmill warriors out there that just slog away like it is not the same and my legs felt really good until they didn't mm -hmm. right like eventually it just went out and i was so sore after it's like i might as well have heavy squatted and uh, lunged and all that the day before i mean i was like hips quads, everything. After only nine, it was like eight or nine days of treadmill work instead of regular work. Not wild. I did not yeah. expect that. And I was in alphas. Those are like pillows. Yeah. It's, it goes away quickly. It comes back quickly as well, but I'm glad you felt on the same roads yep. what I felt the day before your wedding, which was, it was fine right up <laughs> until like 10 or 11. And then it was not fine. Yeah. Comes on. And quick. that's what I think because people are People have been asking me about the marathon, and I, I'm saying I, if my body can handle the mileage, I'm gonna I'll do it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, but I'm not gonna put the cart in front of the horse with it. But the thing about something like a road marathon, where you're out there for two and a half to five hours or more, depending who you are, is it starts to have way less to do with your fitness as much as it does towards the back half of just pounding concrete for so long. And it was a good reminder, like if you're gonna go run like a road marathon, like you can't be doing most of your work on the treadmill. It's just not, it's going to, you're going to pay for it. The back half, right. With just the damage from the road. So it's just a good lesson, just a good reminder. Got to work on that. So what's your, what's your minimum effective dose here? We've been using that term a lot lately, but it's been applying a lot. 
I, I've had a couple of people ask, hey, I'm doing a lot more treadmill. I got my incline trainer. I'm doing this. How many days a week do I need to be outdoor in order to keep my resistance to impact high? What's your number? I think I think twice. I think twice if you have a really rough patch of weather, um, which is unsafe to run or just so miserable it's not worth it. I think two stimuli a week is probably enough to maintain status quo if you've been outside a bunch previously. I would have to imagine. That's a shot in the dark. But my rule, if I'm healthy, is no more than twice a week on the treadmill throughout the winter. And I look ahead at the forecast and pick and choose my days. And if it's a day, if it's a week where the entire week sucks, it's like zero degrees every day. Well, then I pick the two windiest days and hit the treadmill and then the rest are outside. So you always got to look ahead at the forecast, pick your battles. But I think if you're healthy and able, I think no more than twice a week on the treadmill, which would make you running outside more than the twice Mm. a week I just said. Yeah. What do you think? I agree. I think it's two, two to improve one for maintenance. I think once you do two days a week on pavement for a while, you can switch to one and keep most of it as long as that one is purposeful. The one has to be a quality work or a long run. It can't just be like a recovery run on the pavement. Otherwise, you will start to lose it. But if you're doing 8 to 16 once a week on the pavement, that'll keep the vast majority of what you built up. And I actually then use the opposite of you in winter. I have to have at least two outdoor runs. I mean, I can have no more than two pavement runs. Rather than no more than two treadmill, I cap myself at no more than two hard terrain runs for the exact reason of I I don't want too much impact because I'm nervous about everything. Well, you know, we weren't planning on talking about this, and then we'll get into today's episode, but um, it comes up a lot with athletes. I'm going to say a lot, athletes I coach, and with you probably as well. Suddenly you get to the end of the week and the athlete's like, yeah, I ran like everything on the treadmill this week because I just didn't want to run outside on Monday. And then we had a bad snowstorm Tuesday and then it rained and froze over on Thursday. And then by the weekend, it was more time efficient to get on my treadmill than go to the trails. And now here I am and I did every run on the treadmill and they somehow like justify the fact that that happened. And I think the biggest thing is having a plan and foresight, like, your biggest friend in the winter months should be your your weather app and looking ahead and planning around that so you can get effective workouts done yeah. without getting to the end of the week with your hands in the air being like, I couldn't help it, the weather. Be like, no, you couldn't help it because you didn't plan for it, you idiot. Anyways, I've been saying that in nicer ways to some of my athletes recently, so I just said it more bra- brash now. I like that. I I believe that that whatever run you don't – look forward to doing, but you know, you should do more of it's like, it's like your Netflix queue that my list, my watch list on Netflix or whatever streaming service you use. I think this happens. I think this happens to everyone where there's a movie or a show you would like to watch in the future and you add it to your list. But the first time you go to your list to see what you're going to watch, you're like, well, I'm not going to watch this this time, but that makes it like 10% more likely that you're not going to choose it next time. And once you've gone past that movie or show like three or four times, it becomes background. It's like wallpaper. You see it and you're like, yeah, that's not something I choose. And you move on to whatever new pops up on there, like underneath it, that maybe isn't even as good or exciting for your interests. But that thing has just been relegated to the movie I don't choose. And that's how I look at winter or bad weather running. Is that the very first time you choose not to out of convenience you're just so much more likely to not do it the next time. And then pretty soon 
there's almost no way you're going out the door into the bad terrain or the bad weather or the wind or the what, what the cold, whatever it's going to be. And so it's almost like you have to have this rule that the moment I notice it, I have to choose it that day, even if I don't want to solely for the fact that I have to set a positive pattern rather than a negative pattern with, I see the cold. It's cool. I can go out and do that rather than, oh, I don't run in the cold this week. That means you're not going to next week. Yeah. I like that analogy. Although I will say like, you know, when it comes to overuse injuries or other things, sometimes like the treadmill being chosen is with purpose, not as default, we will call it, right? Mm -hmm. There is a time and a place where that should be your choice, but, um, it, uh, working around weather in the winter, I think is one of those like things where we, yeah. you gotta be careful with exactly falling in that pattern. Um, anything else you want to chat about before we dive into today? No, I think that's good. I'm happy with that. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's today's episode it's, is it's going a, to it's be a misleading our... answer. Every single thread awesome. of any conversation we've ever had, we would happily turn into the entire episode. So am I happy stopping that's there? So no, but we don't need that to be our episode today. So we've done enough. Let's move on. But you'll be even happier with what's next. Yes. We get to talk about ourselves. Today we're talking about ourselves, which we've done a little more over time. In the beginning, we did very little of it. As we've progressed, we've done a little bit more of it. But <clears throat> today's episode is our 2023 year in review for ourselves and our own running races, competition, um, things that stand out to us on the calendar. Uh, I think it's important to look back and acknowledge your successes, your defeats, what went well, what didn't. And so you can, you know, as much as I think the new year, new year, you is a bunch of crap and it is, it is a really good ceremonious time to like reflect and then project to the next year and take lessons you've learned from this current year and apply them next year to whether it's your training, racing, life balance, any of it. So we're going to walk through the races that each of us have done this year and neither of us raced a ton. So it's not like this is going to be a six hour episode and just the highlight, what happened, what went well, what didn't, and then our takeaways from each race. And then hopefully you can relate to some of these things along the way as a listener. So that is our plan today. That's how we're going out in 2023. I like it. I like two things. One, I do like fresh starts. How many times? I do like uh, okay. ceremonial moments. So new year, new year, New year, new you is crap, but also it might be super powerful because oftentimes we just need one excuse to right. start being better. And if that's you, take it. But I also like well, being it's very like retrospective it's like, and looking back and recapping everything you've done and finding your patterns and trends and what you need to learn. So this is a great way for us to end our year. I'm glad you agree because we've agreed upon this episode before, you know, recording. Correct. I think it's like new year, new parts of you you didn't like from last year. Not new year, new you, like new year, new, yeah, new, new you with less parts that you messed up last year. Sure. New yeah. year, new year, less crap. New year, same you, less crap. Is that, that Rich Magnet. is there a better way to put it? Yeah, there has to be, but we can't come <laughs> up with it right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> so how many times, so I'm going to heavily rely on my Stra my Strava here to tell me, um, <clears throat> you know, remind me of the races and, and such, but do you know off the top of your head, how many times you raced, um, this past year? I think seven, but I could be missing seven. things in there off the top of my head. I did two high rocks, a road okay. mile, a road 800, 
um, an indoor 800, a Spartan super distance, a winter snow seven mile maybe. And that that's the seven I'm coming up with, but there may be another race or two in there that I'm not recalling right now. Oh, Pennsylvania, that Palmerton race, that's eight. Eight maybe? Okay. And I think I only raced six times. In a year in which I had a capable body, I didn't have injury. Um, arguably one of the better years on the speed front of my life, ran an adult PR of 15, 17 in the 5K, only racing six times. And I think two of those races were in the same weekend. So, you know, if there's a testament to not over racing, like a lot of you tend to do, I don't think you need to race all the time to race your best. I think we've preached that enough. But, yeah, I got six, and you've got eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Low years for us. So where do you want to start? High year for me over the last three years. This is my most races I've done in the last three years of running. Um, <clears throat> I say the best way to do this is to start chronologically. We rip the Band-Aid off and dive into right whatever our first – whoever raced first – you know, you? we go back to January of 2023. Would that be me? When did yeah. you race first this year? Uh, February with Rich Ryan Decca. It was either February or March. Okay. Oh, technically, well, I, I ran a race off. with Corey Fellows in Illinois. We did a, a snowy trail race, uh, but that was more of a workout race. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say I rolled my ankle uh, at mile two and hobbled the rest of it, and it was a non-learning moment. <laughs> Okay, so then I guess I'll kick off. Yeah. I went, believe it or not, guys, because you don't hear the word Spartan or OCR uttered out of my mouth when it comes to racing very much these days. But my first race of the year was I took a trip to SoCal uh, in January and raced the Spartan Super and Sprint on a whim um, just because I wanted to, because I felt like it, because I wanted to go race. So... That was way back, I think, I don't know, the third weekend in January. I had no real reason to go. It wasn't a high-stakes race or a series race. Um, <clears throat> that's where I started. And I don't remember if we even planned that out, or I forget if I shared much about um, that or not. But I think people forget that I did and do OCR from time to time because I rarely have recently. But I did race this year. I got my pro card for next year, Bracken. If I that's need right. it, I'm in. You're in. And you do too. And how did that race weekend go? So um, that race week, <clears throat> um, I won the super on day one, uh, and then I took second in the sprint on day two. Um, and, you know, Glenn, Glenn race, uh, you know, button hooked me and showed up fresh on a day two race, um, which I, you know, I think is a low blow, you know, dirt bag thing to do. Glenn's a terrible person. We had a good battle and he got me. He's just a bad human being. Um, human being. And the thing, the topic, <laughs> um, the topic at the time, if you recall, was I was doing an experiment. It was like I am doing most of my strength work high tempo. I'm going on and off the assault bike, doing strength work, getting back on. I'm doing these 60 to 90 minute sessions of high tempo strength, but not doing any quality. Like that was my strength day. And then all my running was pure running. <clears throat> and I said, I wonder how this is going to translate to obstacle efficiency and ability to run between obstacles and all of that. And do you remember what I learned after that weekend? If I remember correctly, and I watched, they had some people out on course. I think Botrys was filming. 
that you looked really good <clears throat> once you were through with the obstacles. Like your transitions <laughs> right. were sluggish. I was losing time on obstacles. Yep. I was losing time on them slightly and into or out of them. I'd fall back. I'd yo-yo ahead, fall back. And what I learned is that when I was really focused on OCR, I was doing inside out sort of like, you know, kind of hate your life OCR intervals, like the OCR 400s or mile repeats, hard, high heart rate, race effort type workouts with obstacle work and plyos and strength movements. And I wasn't doing any of that. I was doing it more to recovery aerobic heart rate on and off the assault bike doing strength and not race specific movements either traditional strength work. Um, and I found once I got out on course that although I had like sort of greased the groove, it did not translate once my heart rate was up and I was at race effort, it just totally smoked me. And it just really hindered my ability to perform or run as well as I wanted. Now I have a good head, good fitness. So I did well, but I truly believe I left a lot of time on the table. And so right there, it was a good lesson for me that like, Hey, if you're, if you're going to really take OCR seriously, I believe compromised quality run work is necessary to perform your best. So though it went well and I felt good about my fitness, I left tens of seconds on the table alone, obstacling, and then the ability to run out of in particular, the obstacles. So good race weekend and a big lesson learned for me if I want to dive back into OCR seriously is OCR quality work matters. For me, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are some people that just naturally <clears throat> do it and they are few and far between. The rest, you have to be, you have to keep it greased in order to fly into an obstacle, fly through it and get right to work afterwards. Otherwise, it's like you, your engine brought you back into the race each time. But it didn't want mm -hmm. to stay revved the whole time. It needed to like derev for a little bit and then get back up. Yeah, I did miss my spear both days, which um, has not been my friend the last two years. Although it was the new mm -hmm. target, that didn't help. I think the biggest thing, and I think you've we've talked about this on the podcast, is trusting that your body and legs will come back around and choosing to run into like embrace that feeling of your lungs filling up and not feeling like you need to slow down after you come off of an obstacle, like monkey bars, as simple as they are to let your body catch up. But rather you need to trust that I can push here and my body will actually acclimate and I can sustain a higher mm -hmm. rate of work coming off an obstacle than I realize. And so I think that was one of the major things as well. I should have just trusted that I could press right away instead of give myself 30 seconds of slightly easier running before I sunk my teeth in again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was a good weekend. It was a good way have to start Have you ever done that experiment? Year. Which part? Yeah. Have you – like um, like raced um, OCR without doing any OCR-specific work? Have you ever been in a phase where you've done that? Most of Colorado was that for me. I did the least amount of compromise running there than I've ever done because I was doing so much mountain work and my overall fitness was – kind of booing me and i had done so many ocr races that i was i was still good at that kind of thing but the further i went into that three-year that three-year stint there the more things started to take out of me mm. well i think the shorter and the flatter a ocr is the more that matters the ability to do that and, and work that in training high-end ocr compromise quality sessions I think the steeper and the longer it gets, I think if you're just a beast racer and I say, just like, that's what you focus on. I don't even know if it's as necessary. Um, 
depending on what you want to put your time and focus in, but in like shorter flattish races, which SoCal was, um, it mattered a lot. In fact, I think I would have one day too, if I, even with, you know, if I had just shored that up and spent four weeks focusing on it beforehand, I think I, I probably would have made a 30 second difference, which is a lot in a short race. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. But it, it, there's an expiration yeah. date on those type of skills and they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. And then one day you go to use them and they've expired and it's really costly. Yeah. Found that out. So, all right. So I think you're, I didn't race in February. Sounds like you did. Yeah. Either February or March, Rich Ryan and I did a doubles in high rocks and he carried the team and I hung on for dear life. And what I found out there is that off the type of rehab work I was doing and off of the, which was a lot of erg work, rowing and assault bike and a, let's use this phrase again, minimum effective dose of incline training that I had a high level of general fitness, but I could only do one or the other. If you watch any video that we had posted from that race, his station work was at such a higher work rate than mine because I could run or I could do stations. I could not do them both because I was going to pop. So I had to really pick my spots, but we had a Didn't net. Did he do all the wall balls to finish too? Yeah, he did. He tried to, he was a hero on those. He was a hero. Yeah. And so there was really only, I don't know, maybe two, three stations that I sold out on. All the rest I had to chill uh, and ran much better than I expected to run. Not that I ran fast. Rich was very kind to me on the runs, but we ran a fast time. We ran 52, seven, I mean, 51, 17, I think which at the time was the fastest North American time ever still might be, and was the fourth fastest ever run that has been lowered since then. Someone just ran what? 48, 47 fast. Yeah. But uh, you looked we, good out there. The video I saw you looked, yeah. you were, you were pleasantly surprised with how your body showed up for you that day. If I recall. Yeah. But I leaned into the runs and away from the stations. And anytime I started to do a little more, my body rebelled. So it was kind of like what you felt in SoCal. It's early in the year. The fitness is stronger in some areas than others. And I couldn't work both sides of the coin, just like you couldn't attack both sides of the coin in SoCal. So it was a good reminder. But it was a great reminder also that with incline running and machine work, I can get my engine to a pretty decent place. Not a great place, but better than if I was just trying to rehab by running low mileage and lifting alone. The machines matter to me, as does incline work. Do you remember your 8K time as a team? What were you able to run that day collectively? No, I do not. I remember that we were like two minutes faster than what Jack and I did. Okay. And this was... You weren't running hardly at all before this. You were still just coming back. It felt like this was I a pretty big – talk about ceremonious. For you yeah, to I took to nine it. or 11 weeks off of running entirely with the quadricep tendinopathy and followed that very strict mm -hmm. protocol for getting back to running and then started at, I don't know if you remember, 22.5% incline and started lowering it down from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had only started hitting the flat ground. 13 days prior because rich and i decided i think 13 days out that we would do the doubles so because he didn't get into the elite race so he he already had flights he said let's do doubles mm -hmm. so i ran i probably only hit flat ground three times prior to that race so this was a big gary rip off the band-aid moment and so i left very very positive even though he was entirely at at fault is not the right term but responsible for our result he he did it he did all the work 
I left very encouraged that I'm further along than I thought I should be right now. Well, I think the further you deviate from pure run racing, the more varying variance in training you can get away with. Yep. And I would say high rocks is in our endurance space, the epitome of varied racing. And so you were doing a lot of machine stuff. You were focusing on your strength big time, especially with that quad. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think you would be disappointed in your 5K at the time if you had to go out and rip one. You'd be like, look at that time. But because it was mixed modality and your training wasn't super run specific up to that point, um, you were deviating so far from pure running with a high rocks that I think you were able to access it. I think like you were able to use what you had earned. Whereas if you had gone out and ran a pure road race, it would have impacted you much differently. I would have got it worse every stride. Mm. Isn't that a nice thought? Yeah. I think I ran 1739 in a solo 5K, like hard tempo, two or three weeks after that on a cross country course. Mm. And then That's right on in grass. the middle of summer, I did 1654 on the same course, same effort. So it was, it was like 50 seconds improvement over the next few months just from running more. So what would your biggest takeaway be from, from that race? Uh, Whether it's confirmatory, right? Like the takeaway doesn't always have to be negative, right? Like takeaway can be like, I did this right. Or yeah, most of my races, the takeaways are negative, but this year there was some positive. And that one was that the rower is powerful for for me. It does. It's not the cadence of running. And that's one of the knocks on it for runners is that it doesn't matter how hard you're rowing, how crazy you start thrashing, like 32, 34 strokes per minute. That's not running cadence. (laughs) It's just really not. And so it doesn't teach you to fire the same way, but it hits my legs in a very useful way for me because I'm a quad dominant runner and rowing is pretty quad dominant, but it also hits my hamstring insertion point up into my glutes. So it, it addresses me structurally and from a running like a muscular system standpoint, but it also fires me up anaerobically really, really well. So I learned during that block that rowing does do something for my engine, that as long as I'm running as well, which at the time I was doing, I got down to 10% incline intervals. Those two were the majority of my engine and it did something for me. And since then I've used rowers more and more in my training. I know we've had this conversation too, but since we're on the topic, if you had to choose one piece of cross training equipment, non-treadmill, to supplement your running, you had one for eternity. Which one are you are you picking? Is it still the assault bike? It's still the assault bike because, yes, it is. I can't sit on the rower for 90 minutes. I can only really use the rower for intervals. Some tempo work once I get yeah. better, like further into the block of training. But <clears throat> the assault bike, I can get whatever I want out of it. I might even choose a spin bike over the rower, but... Once I have those things, the rower is now the next thing up for me, which it wouldn't have been in the past. Okay. And it's great for quality work. I think the, I think the place the assault bike shines is you can use it for nice recovery work. You can use it for extended duration where just, as you said, like sitting on that seat on the erg, if rowing isn't your main sport and trying to simulate a long run when you're injured of 90 minutes is like pulling out fingernails man it's yeah. it can be tough and so especially my the wrist will ache after a while like that, but eventually yeah, yeah. That, that kind of stuff that doesn't happen on the bike <clears throat> no it doesn't um all right any other takeaways or i'll move my next race isn't until march i had a big two-week trip to vietnam 
that I kind of went and screwed off on and then came back and raced not too long after that. But do you have anything before April? No. You don't? Okay. Um, well, then my second race of the year, um, if you follow me on social media and you listen to the podcast, there's two local trail races that mean a lot to me and they get a great showing in the Twin Cities metro area. And that's and the first of those is in April every year. And this was the uh, Zumbro Trail 17 miler. Um, that's in bluff country in Southern Minnesota, very steep, aggressive hills where there are rocky and muddy terrain because you get the snow runoff that time of year. It goes between river bottom and then up the bluffs and back and forth. And so it just becomes a real gross, gnarly technical trail. It's one of the best. Yeah. I think it's the best trail in the Midwest that I know of excluding the superior hiking trail. And so I had that race. Um, <clears throat> my mission this year was to, Try to break master's course records, 40. Like every, obviously, if you know it, it's eye roll worthy at this point, how I'm embracing I'm 40 and trying to do things at 40. I'm sure you're sick of me hearing about it. But this race came just before my birthday. So I was 39 and I couldn't chase the master's record. So I had to go out there and give an honest effort regardless as to that carrot. And the year previously, me and the winner I lost, took second, both broke the previous course record. Uh, this year there was so much flooding that parts of the course were five feet underwater. Um, so they had to pivot. The course was actually longer and there was a lot of wet, gross stuff. So I went down there to race and took second again to the same guy, took second to the exact same guy. And I lost to him. I think three seconds tighter was the gap this year than the previous year. We both ran the same race. We both went in with what we considered better fitness. He was aiming to run two sixteen in the marathon um, shortly thereafter at grandma's <clears throat> and he had previously run in the two twenties and he thought that was maybe a reasonable goal. And I thought, you know, I was in better fitness. And so we gapped the field right away. He got me halfway through the race, just slowly pulled away. And we literally ran identical races to the year previous, um, slower conditions. So the times were notably slower, but, um, I was really happy with that race. And I have one big takeaway from that one as well. Um, and that is, as you know, like I've been chasing speed this year and I've been enjoying like road metrics and like run pacing and all of that. And I was getting caught up in that this spring. I went to Vietnam and didn't run anything but roads for two weeks. And then we had snow here. So I wasn't on the trails. I wasn't just going out and putting two, two and a half, three hour long runs in just slow, easy stuff. I was like, screw that. I'm just going to go hurt for 75 minutes for a quality long run and call it a day. Cause I was starting to care about my 5k. Well, Anyways, this is a two hour plus, it was like two hours and three minutes on the trails. And so idiot Kirk started doing his first two hour long run three weeks before, did another two hour long run two weeks before and called it good. Mm -hmm. When I hadn't been running very far due to my travels and then, um, and then just not wanting to, right? I was enjoying the roads, oddly enough, which I know is hard for a lot of you to, to fathom. But anyways, and my wheels fell off. I mean, they fell off. I've stayed connected early. He got me the way that just like um, I was describing in my long run recently where I hadn't been taking impact. It was like my legs, my wheels fell off. They came crap. It was just, it wasn't like slow the bleeding. It was like just collect it in a bucket because it's, it's gone, right? The damage, like you can't simulate that time amount of time on feet with descents without spending that time amount on feet with descents. And so 
it crushed me. I was never more sore after a race in my entire life than that race. And I've done mountain races, but was prepared and out West and all that. And so it went really well and my fitness was great. But again, like towards the trail end, just the damage caught up with me. And it was the most miserable last 20 minutes. I think I remember in a race to date, um, in recent years, um, very happy with the effort and performance, but, um, you can't fake a two hour race when it, when there's descending involved, it catch, it wins. It eventually wins if you haven't been doing it. So, um, that's sort of my recap of that one. Two things in response to that. The first is that Jess posted videos. She was pretty great about that, that race. And you yep. were working. Yeah. I think Rich Ryan and I had had a conversation about a month after and he was like, yeah, Kirk's trail race. He was hammering late into that race. It was just impressive to watch because again, your, your upper body doesn't fit the archetype of someone who's running that hard 17 miles yeah. into a trail race. It, so it, was, it was cool to see. Second is that, uh, just reiterating your point that engine is engine, but specificity matters. It really <laughs> does. And that it's funny that you've like, you've done races with five, six, 7,000 feet of vert climbing up, descending down hard, but it was one with two or 3,000 that crushed you because you weren't ready for it. You've done it. 2,400 feet. 2,400. Yeah. Even more, even more impressive that that's what crushed you. It's like, yeah, your engine transferred and you did great, but specificity does matter. Yeah, it does. I mean, the positive takeaway is that like, because there's years of money inserted into my running piggy bank, like you'll see people pop onto the scene and run a really good first marathon, even though they're under trained, so to speak, or you'll see somebody dive into the ultra scene on the trails for the first time when they've classically been a shorter distance racer and they nail it. Well, it's because they got a lot of quarters in their piggy bank from all the years of running and training. And so even though maybe their lead in wasn't perfectly specific, you do have a, you do have a bank account to rely on. And so like, because I've been so consistent over the years, I know that if my lead-in isn't perfect, I'm going to deviate three to 5% probably from my potential. And if I want to nail it, I go all in and then I deviate what 1% from my potential on race right. day. Let's say, I really think it comes down to that, that simple. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just didn't put it in the long runs this year. Um, the race is again in April and I'm 40 now, and I really want that master's course record. And, and you bet, um, starting in February, I'm going to be out on the trails. Well, even if it's snowy, <clears throat> um, extending my long runs and getting ready uh, for that so that I can, I have choices to make the last four miles instead of, um, literally no choices, but to slow. So mm -hmm. that's my plan. It's a good plan. I like it. So, yeah. It's okay. If you have takeaways that where you need improvement, it's just then acting, acting on them. So that's my intent. So, um, that's really it from that one, I would say. So my next race was then in... July. What about you? My next race was also July. Okay. So July 4th, I ran a one mile road race, which I've run four times and it went again, surprisingly well, was not doing much quality running. I was still doing quality row work and assault bike. And I ran 432 and just about cost me my life. I went to the shadow realm after that race. It was so bad and it got worse every single minute. I thought I was going to be okay at the finish line. I was a little coherent. I was able to grab a bottle of water, say a few words to the race director, 
And then just the act of standing was poisoning my body. I felt like standing upright was going to kill me. And I had to get somewhere out of the sun because it was like 92 degrees and humid and just no shade. So there's that nursing home, like maybe 200 meters from the finish line, maybe less. And it took me five minutes to get stumble my way over there. And I laid down up against a post under the over like the awning of the nursing home with people like in wheelchairs, just walkers all around me staring at this strange person slowly melting into a puddle. Eventually I had to lay down on my back and it got worse every single minute for like 25 minutes straight. Uh, it was like, well, I don't know what to do with my arms. If I put them at my sides, I feel nauseous and my head hurts. If I bring them up over my head, now my shoulders like are going to explode. Like every single part of my body was rebelling against it. It was just like the most overwhelming anaerobic lactate filled experience I'd had in a long time. And I had no tolerance to that specific level. And that was the one where I started kicking from 400 out because I thought I was 200 out. I'd, it was a straight line shot and I misjudged the finish. And it was just like the worst. It was a great race. It was great but it was the worst after race feeling I've had probably since 2012, 2013, maybe it was so bad. My parents just stood there standing over me watching like he's going to make it or he's not, but we're just going to let, we're going to ride this out and see what happens. So I've had this twice in my life. And once was this year. And then once was back in 2017 where I actually got done with the race and I was actually concerned with how I was feeling like something bad might happen to me. Like my body might like actually disobey mm -hmm. or revolt. Like in a sense where like, I almost felt out of control. Like this could be bad. Like almost a panic moment where I like finish, I push so hard and then I'm like, I really don't feel well. Like not in a satisfying, I push myself way and like a something's wrong mm -hmm. kind of way. I've had it twice. Did you have like that sort of feeling or more just like, I'm curious. I had that in Dubai. I had that in Dubai where it was like borderline. It was heat exhaustion for sure. Tiptoeing towards heat. It wasn't heat stroke, but like it was a little past heat exhaustion. And I was starting to wonder because I've, I've never felt this way before. I start to black out several times. Like I have to stay close to the ground. I can't stand upright. That, that was very worrying knowing that I don't, I don't understand this feeling. It's foreign to me. I might lose consciousness. I don't know what I've do. I don't know what damage I've mm -hmm. done internally. This was everything we used to feel back in college, everything we felt in short, like uh, anaerobic OCR races, but just magnified through the the scope of you haven't done this in training in years, and you haven't pushed yourself in a race in years like this. It was it was a familiar pain, which is why I, I think my parents were comfortable, just like, hey, we're just gonna let them be an absolute sopping mess for a while, and then slowly it came back together, but. It was just so, it was like every nerve was being poisoned all at once. It was, and I know I'm sounding really dramatic about this, but it was the, it's the worst I have felt physically probably since Dubai, I guess that would be the only thing that's been close to that in the last decade. And all it took was, uh, four minutes and 30 seconds yeah. to get there. Yeah. No, yeah. That was and the heat didn't help. The heat had to be a large part of that. Huge part of it. Yeah. It was really hot, <laughs> really hot. Yeah. But what did, what did that tell you? Because what, if, what I recall from the race was, again, you sort of surprised, you were pleasantly surprised with yourself, especially mm -hmm. considering the conditions, but it was like, Hey, my strength is still sort of my, 
my strength. Like I don't feel right. great about my stay power, but like I could in quotes pretend for a mile. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good reminder that if you do the thing you're good at, you're going to do better at that than if you do the thing you're bad at with the same amount of fitness. Like if I had run any other distance race, I would have got less out of myself. It was, it was a, it was an exertion level. I knew, like I knew what I could do, but it was also a, it was the first time I found myself because I've, and it's one of the, the criticisms that I get about hosting a podcast or writing training plans for athletes from time to time from people that this matters to is that I don't race enough to justify the level of confidence that I speak with about racing or running. I'll, I'll, I get that critique sometimes. And from their perspective, that's a fair critique. I talk like I'm an expert on things that I'm no, not, not experiencing as much as crap. other people. It's a crap. It's a, it's a crap opinion. I'll tell you why it's a crap opinion. How many times have you raced in your life, Bracken? Since conception. How many times have Let's you towed a start line and crossed a finish line? And if I am not probably above that, at least... You know, we tripled at every meet in high school. We yeah. over raced. Yeah, it could be country, more than three hundred multiple events in track. I think it has been for me as well. And so be it. Body of work is body of work, right. and especially when it spans over decades, which it has for now. Those people, those people, could be quiet. I trust you. That's all that matters. Thank you, and I trust me too. But from their perspective, if they are newer to things, they're only knowledge of me is as a person who's constantly injured and doesn't race. So because I haven't raced as much and that's well documented, I haven't found myself in many battles and the ones I had, I found a way out of them through fitness and then not wanting it bad enough. Like as people were running away from me, it's like, all right, I could bear down now and fight the next group. And the next group didn't matter to me because I wanted the first group, but I didn't have the fitness mm -hmm. to be with them. And so I kind of ran a week and... I wasn't maximizing anything I did. This was the first race in a long time where I think I did. There was a group of three uh, college kids ahead of me, and I just decided I'm going to run on them as long as I physically can. And I'll either make it to the end and then we can sprint, or I won't make it to the end and I'll be proud of myself. And it was the first race in a long time where I had enough fitness to bite down hard and see what happened. And so that, that alone was a really good feeling and a reminder that this thing still exists because you can't like a mile short, but you also can't fake it physically or mentally. And so it was nice. I didn't set the world on fire. 432 is not going to win any awards, but for a 36 year old has been, that's quick. So it, it was a very nice day physically and mentally for me. And in the moment afterwards, it was one of those, why do I ever do this to myself feelings? But once I came back mm -hmm. out of the shadow realm, I was very proud to have earned the shadow realm. If that makes sense in a twisted way. First of all, you're not a has-been. You just took a pause while you're going through some stuff. Only the future Second, will determine if that's true or been. not. I know. And that's what I'm getting at. I know your training is training the right direction. And mm -hmm. I think some good things are coming for you, but... Um, something that people don't really talk or we don't really address much. And a lot of times people, I think don't understand this correctly either is that because let's say you're a miler and you're good at it, that's your natural tendency, um, or natural preference or whatever, that it's easier for you. And that if you went out and ran a 5k or a 10 mile, that that would be in perspective harder for you. 
Mm-hmm. But I argue the absolute opposite. When you are better at a certain domain and you have a craft that has more arrows in that quiver, you find a way to access compartments of your push that you can't access in other domains because you're not as familiar with them. And so oftentimes it's the ones who like, if you're a miler and that's your race, like you will hurt more in that race than you will in a much longer and on paper, harder race that isn't in your wheelhouse because there's arrows you can't access in your quiver there. So I would argue that if there is a race in which you're going to end feeling that way, as silly as only four and a half minutes sounds, it is actually the preferred race in which you are the best at is the race you are going to hurt the most doing because you found, you know how, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it's both. It <clears throat> is at the same time easier for me and worse because I can gauge it correctly and use it all. I've never crossed the a 10 K or an eight K finish line knowing I could not run a second faster. But many, many, many times, even three times this year, I ran two 800s in a mile and all three I knew I ran exactly as fast as I could have possibly run. I could not have run that any harder. Yeah. And I never, I never feel that in longer races because I can't, I can't push the whole time. I always have to play that hold back or push. There's, there's not that question. So the miles undoubtedly easier, indubitably easier for me to access my fitness. But as a result, yeah, you get deeper into the well mm-hmm. and then you pay for it in that case dearly. Yeah. But it was a it was a good reminder that yes, I'm aging, but wheels aren't going to be the problem. It's going to be building up the mm-hmm. engine bigger. Um, anything else to that one? The, just the takeaway that I think a few weeks after that is when I did that next hard 5K tempo and I ran 16.54, and the efforts didn't align totally. But 16.54 and 4.32 don't equate. So it's another good reminder that like that's not going to be your problem, kid. <laughs> Run right. longer, run steadier. Hmm. Um, well, I'm going to go to May. Uh, yeah. I said races are highlights, and I did a highlight thing for my birthday in May, which I just think is worth noting. I took the day off of work. It was on a Wednesday, turned 40. And I think I've celebrated my birthday in age, trying to use the number that I am turning so to speak, to celebrate. I see more people seem to be doing that or I'm just noticing mm-hmm. that people are doing that. It seems to be a trend. Um, so I did 40 by 400 meters with 60 seconds rest on my birthday. What is that, 10 miles of intervals? Is that that comes out to? I think 10 miles of 400 meter yeah. repeats. It was a uh, DNA changing workout for me. Um, started hard enough to be keep it honest, but conservative enough because I didn't know what would happen when I got into the 20s and 30s. Uh, rep range. And, um, that's one that will stand out to me. I literally went into a like tunnel vision, black hole time stood still yet also fast forwarded for like an hour and 15 minutes. However long that workout took, um, no, the workout took an hour and 10 minutes, something like that. Anyways, just went tunnel vision and just got to work. And, um, I'd been running a little more mileage up to that point and was, was happy with my durability. I averaged 70 point, I believe it was for 40 of them. And I was freaking stoked. And I was wrecked for like five days afterwards, maybe a week That's because I raced it. I raced it to finish it. I mean, I, I didn't want to just go, there's no point to me to go and like, I can do 40 by 400 if I, you know, just throttle the gas and work at a six or a seven RPE. But that's not what your birthday is for. Your birthday is to make yourself miserable and suffer 
celebrate what your body's capable of, not celebrate only sort of what it's capable of. And so I went and gave it and man, did I, did I pay for that one? But it was a really good feeling and a good confidence booster that my durability, um, and all that, like even the threshold running and tempo runs I had done up to that point, like start to show through in the back half of that. And when I questioned if I could hit the next rep as fast as the previous, I somehow did, I somehow did somehow did and kept continuing to do that. So I think that was, that went really well. And it was more of a testament of like my long grindy work than speed for sure. Mm -hmm. Had nothing to do with speed. What was your rest? 60 seconds. So I did 40 by 400 60 seconds. 40 by 400 on 60 is a big workout and you averaged 440 pace. That's I'm pretty sure. Am I lying to you? I mean, it might've been like 72. 72. Maybe it was 70. Let me see. It's 448 pace. Well, I don't want to. That's quick enough that 60 seconds makes that terrible. Happy birthday to me. 70.6 second average for 40 of them. All right. So 443 pace. Yeah, say 443 pace. 442, we'll call it. Uh, I'm sure there's some rounding down in some of those average when I was taking averages. 442.4, call it. Yeah. Anyway, so that was a big one for me. And I can move on from that, but then I did race in July as well. Well, let, let's um, wait for that. To... I did my May birthday workout as well, and I've oh, forgotten about it. Yeah, that. yeah, talk about that. Yeah. And Chad Coleman, Tim Lambiris, Corey Fellows, they came down and joined me. I did 36 reps of my local ski hill. Got 7,400 feet maybe. But it was, again, one of – I had – this was a year of uh, breaking up mental and physical scar tissue, more mental than physical, because I believed I was getting past some of my injuries. Timeline says I should be. And I was feeling good, but there's that – and I've talked about the mental scar tissue I've – I've kind of struggled with where I feel things in the areas or near the areas where I've been injured. And I think I have to pull back. I cannot go back to that place again. But throughout this, the long run on your pre-wedding day, uh, the um, Deca with, I mean, High Rocks with with Rich. And then this one, 36 reps of that ski hill, that the, there are moments where it says, you are allowed to do more now. And so, A, it was great to have support yeah. of friends and listeners out there on the hill. B, it was a long, hot day. Full sun the whole time, three and a half hours of just up and down the same ski hill. Uh, But C, it was permission to do more. And that's been really critical for me. Uh, A lot of people struggle with holding themselves back. I've been struggling with allowing myself to do more because I don't want to return to the injury cycle. And And I understand I'm on borrowed time. I'm going to compete as long as my body allows me to, but in terms of peak competition years, I have four to five left, most likely, which means I can't lose another one of those (laughs) or another one and another one. I can't do that. And so to break the trend, I have to do something different, but it doesn't always have to be less. And this was a year of figuring that out. So that was a big workout for mental scar tissue for me. Yeah. You know what? Oh, that makes me so happy. We've been doing this podcast for almost four years, and that's the first time I've not unmuted myself and started talking. In four years, I've not done it once until that moment. So justifying to me. I feel so heard right now. I was trying to cough and not get it in the mic. Her cat unmuted, and that's my job. (laughs) Shoot. I was just saying that you, I remember that was, that was a good, big positive momentum session for you. And you, you came off floating kind of after that one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to bring my, I'm going to bring my next race full circle with 
taking a lesson and then applying it moving forward. So I mentioned there's two big trail races in the Metro that I care about, the Zumbro 17 miler and then the Afton 25K. The Afton 25K, I was now 40, and there was a very stout master's record um, that I wanted. And so I'm going to read to you my weekend long runs before Zumbro, the race I just described in April where I really, when it hit, the piano landed on my back and it was over and I hung on. I was in Vietnam for two weeks. Okay, so that was factored in there. The three weeks prior to Zumbro, my long run was an hour 15. Two weeks out, it was two hours. A week out, it was 90 minutes. And then I went and raced Zumbro, which took me two hours and three minutes. So I lied. I didn't even hit two two two-hour long runs. An hour 15, two hours, an hour 37, and then I went and raced. Mm -hmm. The previous two weekends, I didn't run at all. I was in Vietnam. I didn't do a single long run. I ran like four days a week, but went out for an hour just not to kill too much time. So there you have it, right? I learned my lesson, right? Like, Kirk, come on, you need more durability. And this is what I'm getting at. And I don't mean to get redundant here. But starting the last week in April, hour 31, hour, I'm going every weekend long run, hour 31, 201, 145, two flat, two flat, two and a half, 202, and then the week before the race in hour 21, and then I raced. Do you see a big difference in the lead in there? Very much so. But what did it feel like to you? What did it do? Well, I also changed the script and I went to two quality sessions a week, one uphill and one flat. And my second quality session was on Friday. And then I went and hit a fatigued two hours. That's right. You were hitting on Saturday long run. So I was just going out and slogging and honestly hating my life. A lot of them because my legs were dull. I felt like kind of crap after, you know, a quality session the day before. But man, I think that is the formula. If I can handle it. And that's what built my 5k fitness as well. Going later into the summer is I started doing fatigued long runs. After a Friday quality session, and I put in, what, eight weeks of consistent two-hour long runs or more for a race mm-hmm. that took me an hour 40. And so I went into that race hungry. I said, Zumbro's not going to happen again. And I went in to go beat the record. And I was very vocal about that. That was my intention. Nothing else would satisfy. And I went out there, and it was there. When it got late stages in the race, I was in a back-and-forth battle for second. Tyler German was there, and he won again. Um, the kid had just come off running 1450 in the 5k, uh, at UN university, of North Dakota. And so he had good fitness and I chased him around the entire race. And when it came to the last 10 minutes, I had a decision to make still, and it hurt, but it was there. I didn't let it, it didn't win. I won and I gapped him by over a minute in the last mile and I kicked home and beat the record by 19 seconds, I believe or 21 seconds in an hour and 40 race. And I am telling you, there is no way that wouldn't have happened without the consistency of the long run and particular, I think the fatigued long run without that. And so I don't, my takeaways from this one are like patting myself on every part of my back because I like took what I learned. I applied it. I did something about it. And I went out there and executed like a damn boss. It was the, probably one of my best executed races in like 85 degree heat. It wasn't set up well to go race fast. It was very hot, very hot that day. And that is probably still my proudest effort of the the year. A stupid local, I mean, large, but local trail race, even more so than my 5Ks on the track, which I'm also proud of and dug in. Um, I just, I manned up 
and I trained like a boss. And I found in that training that I had this need for speed. I'm realizing I want to go run fast on the roads and I want to do that while I can. And the perfect hack is to do that and then hit a quality long run on the trails, invert the next day on tired legs. Like I get to get my speed in on the roads. I can hit quality on the treadmill uphill for uphill stimulus midweek. And then I round out. I just put the icing on the cake with a nice trail vert, as I call it, long run. And most of those long runs are what I call rule of three here in the Midwest. And that's every hill I encounter. I got to run up and down it three times before I can progress down the trail. Right. And I just did that every week, every week. And then it came together. My legs didn't take a shit on me. I was able to push and I dropped a kid who objectively should be faster than me. Um, and he is a kid. He's like 20. So that is my Afton recap. And I was very satisfied with that effort. It, it was awesome watching the plan come together and knowing you had done the, the non-sexy difficult work going out the day after a workout, mm. a quality workout and running two hours is just not sexy or fun, but there's something to it that you leave knowing you're turning into a monster. Fat Kirk, I just did a Kirk DeWint honorific run this past week. I had a an eight-mile run on Friday. The first four miles were a t- bad terrain tempo. And then the next day, I went out and did uh, 12 on the trails, which for me was a long, hard oh. workout followed by a long run. 12 on the trails for me is long right now. And... By the end, I knew I'm better for this. And <coughs> this type of thing continues. I will have serious staying power a couple months from now. So I felt that. And you will. And and I just am looking through, like, <clears throat> I wasn't babying these fraud. Like, a lot of times you'll see... You'll see athletes do their short, like quicker speed session on a Friday before a long run. So they might not do a lot of volume, but they'll do high turnover work, right? So they might do a threshold workout on a Tuesday, longer grindy than on Friday. They might go 12 by 400 with a lot of rest so they can run fast. And then they'll follow that with like a long run. But I'm going through my Fridays, um, five, four, three, two, one by two. So that's 30 minutes of quality. The next week is eight mile tempo in the middle of a 12 mile run, right? So that's the day before my long run. I'm doing 12 miles with eight miles of tempo. The following week is five by a mile, which is a big workout. So point being is they're not baby, um, not baby workouts. They were sort of, they weren't baby. Yeah. I was like really creating some damage running really hard to be honest. And so I think there was something to it. And, and in that format, you just have to make sure you're running so easy on every other day. Like you can't, you can't be gray zone in it. You have to be so slow and easy on everything else you do. And so that's a pattern I'm hoping to get back into as soon as my shins back to back hmm. to square. It is the kind of thing that you can keep as an alternate <laughs> throughout your season, probably too. Like every other week or every third week, you can just re up that. You mean like do the the fatigue long run when it feels like your body's ready for it and then maybe not you should go back and forth with that program? Yeah, you can probably sit in that for four to six weeks and then go every other week for a while and, and just keep yeah. building that without having to take all that fatigue with you into the, every week. It's probably decently sustainable for you. <clears throat> Both got the hacks today. Yep. It's that time of year. It's a tough thing about... 
tough thing about winter running up here is um, my shins tend to act up now because of the cement and even frozen ground is hard. And so like, there's just not much soft. And so my shins really react to that pretty tough. Yeah. So it's like getting over that hump is always a challenge. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's my, that was my next one. Nice. Uh, then I went out to Palmerton and built some character, I suppose, mm. if taking <laughs> an embarrassing beating is character building, which I generally believe it is. I went out there, uh, for the first time in my season, optimistic about my training, uh, maybe not my training, optimistic about my fitness, knowing I'll come in here having done the least amount of anyone who's serious about doing well here, but it's more than I have been doing. And I've had some little like bright spots along the way. Hyrox went decently well. That road mile went decently well. I'm starting to think I've hit like three weeks of workouts here. Maybe I can do something. And I didn't. And I just got kicked right in the teeth on the very first lap of the prelim. And then again, even harder on that one lap semifinal. And I did not qualify through to the final. And never once in all of my preparation for this, which admittedly was shorter than <laughs> ideal. So I didn't spend as much time exploring how bad things could get, but I usually do a pretty good job of contemplate worst case scenario, how I'm going to respond to it. I never contemplated the fact that I might not even make the final. I didn't make the final and it was embarrassing. And I had driven all the way out there and left my family for the weekend to accomplish absolutely nothing. And I turned and I drove straight home. That was that 12 hour straight shot. Drove through the night, got home at 5 a.m. and used all that time just to spend time with me and my thoughts. And it was a very much, very much a net positive on the weekend. And I'm a firm believer that from time to time, you need to get spanked in life. You need to get kicked down to the ground with force in order to practice standing back up again and making the decision to not stay down. And that's the best thing I can take out of that weekend. It exposed a lot of Things that I had um, been ignoring because of the bright, shiny lights of improved fitness throughout the year. We get distracted by success sometimes, no matter how small it is. You haven't had much success. A little bit goes a long way. And sometimes that masks the underlying issues you still have to deal with. Now, it's like you watch people who struggle with their finances and then they get a bonus at work and they're like, oh, we're good. And they go out and spend right away. Like, no, that bonus was cool, but. It doesn't mean you're ready for the next level of spending yet. You still have to address why your finances mm. were bad in the first place. And that's what I hadn't done physically. I was starting to feel a little bit of speed, a little bit of stamina, a little bit of endurance, a little bit of strength. But there were a lot of holes in my game and they got exposed pretty badly. So that was a really embarrassing weekend. It was my first time showing back up to like the big boy race. Saw all the old faces that we used to compete against and I did really badly. That was the most heavily attended race uh, in the whole circuit, notably as well. Yeah. So you had all the like the most dense field. So it was one that mattered. We talked, we talked on your drive home. I'm sure you spent most of that time reflecting, but I don't know if mm -hmm. you remember. We did chat <clears throat> actually shortly afterwards. In fact, you were you were pretty honest with me about how you were feeling. Um, at the same time, I feel like you weren't scratching your head. I think it's worse to leave a race. With your hands in the air being like, I don't know what the F happened. <laughs> like, I can't account for yeah. why that happened the way it did. Like, I don't know why it went so badly. 
And I've been there. Some I've had a bad race or two. It's like at the moment, I'm like, oh, what the heck happened? That wasn't me today. And you weren't that. You weren't like, you were like, kind of like, I guess this is where I'm at. Like I yeah. can make sense of this. The worst case is, is you, you know what I mean? The worst case is yeah. you can't make sense of it. And from that conversation, I remember we, we made sense of it at least, or you talked out in my opinion, how we could make sense of it. And a lot of the barbed wire crawl focus was like, you weren't ready for anything. And unfortunately that is Spartan a little bit, yeah. you know, but <clears throat> anyways, I still contend I would have been top 10 be at that race that. on a different course, but it didn't matter because I wasn't, mm -hmm. and it wasn't a different course. And that was the course I needed to be on in a top 10. Let's say that had been in Jacksonville, a top 10 or maybe 12 would have done nothing but further my turning away, turning a blind eye to the issues I had in my fitness at that point. It would have reinforced things I didn't need reinforcing. So it was good for me. And so there's going to be someone who doesn't want to hear, oh, yeah, you could have but didn't. It doesn't matter. I'm an optimistic athlete. I'm a competitor. I'm always going to choose the optimism route as an athlete. That's what you have to do as, as any sort of athlete, especially a runner. A, a sport that doesn't give you a whole lot of wins always you have to create a narrative in your mind that if just this this and this this would have happened that's that's how you get by that's your fuel so i don't hear about it that's what you do as an athlete you're a dreamer yeah and the moment you're um, not anymore that's the moment you're done pring it's the moment you're done chasing it yeah so i don't care if it sounds delusional to anyone else that's <clears throat> how you get through um, the interesting thing about that 3k race and that format, and those of you that we did get one review that said they wish we talked about OCR more mm -hmm. now, implying, I think like we maybe we used to, we used to be very OCR heavy. And now I feel like we've slowly shifted that ratio. But, um, for those of you who haven't done OCR, it's very visually unimpressive. The running cadence and speed, the speed in which the athletes move, you can't even fathom the immense suffering that the athlete is going through because it looks there's such a compromised version of themselves and in the 3k format because there's so much density to the obstacles or tasks is the visually the running would be way more impressive in a longer race with more space between so the 3k whittles you down to what's supposed to be a short course but you're literally working at like 70% of your true capabilities because you, it just knocks you down that far. Mm -hmm. And so when you watch it, you look at a guy like Bracken and say, come on, man, you're going so slow. You look at everybody and think that. And it's something you just won't understand until you're there. And it's something that I thought I'd walk right into OCR and be like, well, I can run. So, and I'm strong. So like, I got, I'm going to kill this. It's another thing to go up 30% grade with sand bags or buckets and have to work at like an anaerobic effort. It's just like something you almost can't. It's why the sport has like this cult following and you have these diehards who spend all their disposable income on traveling around the country and world doing this because it, if you're going to go there and learn something about yourself, it draws something out that you can't understand until you do it. And that course and that type of race reminded me of the epitome of like OCR and Spartan, like you're going to go so deep into the suffering well, potentially, like you don't even know what planet you're on yeah. and it's just survival. And maybe that's not what it was for you, but that's what it really can turn into. And I just remember watching the race and being like, these guys are crawling, which tells me it is awful. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. You know what? I did my final tune up sim like 12 days out or something like that. <clears throat> and I misinterpreted it. 
it showed me what was about to happen. So five weeks earlier, I had run a 432 mile, six weeks earlier, maybe. And now I'm six weeks fitter. And I had gone into faster work and a lot of compromise work. I thought I'm probably in 425 mile shape here, which if there's ever a form of racing that rewards quicker running, it's going to be short course. So I'm probably going to come in with some of the best high end running and I'm naturally athletic. I'll make it through obstacles. Fine. My descending is really improved. And I did the sim and I overloaded the sandbag carry a double sandbag. And then after that, I went right up the steepest part of the ski hill, knowing that this is steeper than anything I'll encounter. And the sandbags are heavier than anything I'll encounter. I just want to get myself really broken down and then run fast. And that's exactly what happened in the workout. I really struggled through those two sections. And then once I got down to the base and started descending and then running again, I was pretty good. And I thought, okay, so that can't be as bad, even though that really destroyed me. And as soon as I recover, I'm back to running fast again. So I'm good. And then actually the workout was trying to say like, Hey, there's not going to be fast running, but there's going to be a lot of this stuff and you're not ready for it. So I misinterpreted the last, I took comfort in the wrong thing. And then the race showed me that, no, you were looking at this incorrectly, which is ironic. Like I built my life around trying to look at the sport correctly and I made a drastic error in judgment. So the race showed me what I needed to know. And it really highlighted in talking to the athletes out there, how little I was, I was training compared to people who take this seriously, just how little my workload was compared to them. And it was, it was, it was needed. I had to get beaten down and punished for my lack of work. <coughs> Excuse me. One second here. There's an alarm um, going off outside. Yeah, you were working. Okay. It's like the fire alarm or something at City Hall is going out. All the employees are outside, crowded around in the parking lot. Oh. Who knows what's going on? Oh, I can't hear. You can't hear anything, at least through the, through the microphone. Um, I don't remember. What was I going to say? You said, yeah, you were working. Say something about your. Oh. Yeah, you. That was the whole. Uh, I'm working out three days a week phase this summer. But yeah, and that was, was super purposeful. Yeah, and you thought that was misreading my situation. That's what this last episode, our yeah. guest would have laughed at me. Don't work less, work differently. I worked less and purposeful. Yeah. Rather than still do things on the other days, like you idiot. Why are you training less? You don't need to. Yeah. You can't run those days, but why are you not training? And it was illuminating. Mm-hmm. Idiot. And we'll continue to be idiots. We get in our own way and we are men and we are human. And that combination allows us to get in our own way a little more often than, than others sometimes. And that's how it goes. But it, I mean, I don't think if any coach or professional stood in front of you and said, they still don't do things, uh, improperly from time to time or could change things they'd be lying to you right and so teachable moments bracken yeah and it's the nature it's the nature of being a dreamer and having a bit of an ego and a competitive edge is that we'll always throw ourselves into things and set us our set ourselves up for failure we're either going to get it right and it's going to go well Mm -hmm. or we're not going to meet the expectations that we set for ourselves and maybe set out loud on a microphone and then we're going to look like idiots. And that's, that's like, that's the process. That's okay with me. It's annoying when it happens, but it's, I like looking like that's fertile ground for growth. Yeah. I don't mind looking like an idiot. I really don't mind anymore. They used to horrify me in my younger years. Now I, I don't know. It's important to get some wins. You know, like when it's like you just said, you said it's important to get spanked, right? 
Yeah. Um, I still, I think it's more important than ever. It is so rare as you get older to one experience, anything new, right? Like everything <laughs> is novel when you're 15 because it's so your bright eyed, bushy tailed and everything's new and much like getting spanked happens a lot more probably as you're maturing phase in sport and you're racing upperclassmen and all of these other things. But it's rare, at least for guys like you and me to get spanked in adult life, like truly embarrassed mm -hmm. or humbled. Like those are few and far between, man. I feel like they are. And so <clears throat> every time that happens to me, I just know I come back just fiery. And you did. Yeah. Well, and as a kid, that's how you grow and develop. As an adolescent, all you do is run into issues where you learn the hard way or the painful way or the embarrassing way that that was wrong and you don't do that. And then you grow up into an adult and there are very few ways to really get spanked and humbled that aren't catastrophic to your life. Like right. I, I, As a 36-year-old man driving home to his wife and kids saying, hey, I screwed up. That was a waste. I did terrible. Like, How many things can you say that about that don't have ramifications for your personal life. You can't have that at work. Mm -hmm. Can't have that with your health. Can't have that with your relationships. And this is why I think pursuing physicality and physical goals matters in life because you keep that natural occurring process of learning the hard way and getting humbled without doing something catastrophically dangerous to your finances or your health or your relationships. It's important. We need to have this. This is how we grow. It's one of the safest places to grow. Yeah, it is. And the life cycle Minimal is so true short. damage. Yeah. I went from yeah. highest of Minimal highs to lowest to lows potential. to even keeled in 48 hours. You're right back to life. Bad. That that That's really good. That is You're good. saying emotional damage? Um, I'm going <clears> to... <throat> ah, we don't need to talk about how I feel. Um, <laughs> we can move on. Stuff it down deep. So... Go I, have a I have a second <laughs> I have a race at the end of July. I only have two left for the July and August, and I have not raced since August. And these were my Twilight 5K. Um, Tracksmith puts on high-end 5K track meets around the world in major cities as a circuit. And it's been eating at me to break... 15 minutes in the 5k at 40. In fact, did it, I don't even know if 40 has the biggest deal to do with it. Like, I don't, I think I'd be hard after this pursuit, no matter my age, like if it happened three years ago or whatever, I think it just, it has a little more weight. Like when you have a four in front of, you know, your mm -hmm. age, but, um, I was way out of my comfort zone in doing this because one, uh, it's a night race. So I normally work out between 5 a.m. and 7 or 8 a.m. Uh, the start gun went off at 10.05 p.m. when I've typically been in bed for an hour and a half already. So there was some nuances there. And then the story of these next two races for me is the weather. Um, the heat for Tracksmith 5K number one, it was 89 degrees when the gun went off at 10.05. And then it cools off for a few weeks. And then the second biggest, the biggest heat wave of the summer comes through for my second race. It was 91 degrees and our start time was after 10, 15 PM. It was so hot and it was, the dew point was so high. It was so thick and sticky. The good news, there was no wind. Both were dead calm, but the bad news was there was no wind. Both were dead calm. Yeah. And so I found myself in this unique position 
for both of these races where time mattered immensely. That's all that mattered to me for both of these races. And yet the conditions were actually very unideal to run fast. But I decided that I'm going to go and give it a rip anyways. And if I'm going to set myself up to do so, and if I go out in flames, which I did inversions in both of them, I will go out in flames. But I had a time mission, not a placement mission, and got drawn really tough temperatures. Now, I can't complain too much because I was the 10th of 10 heats, the fastest heat, and poor souls had started at 6 p.m. in 100 degrees, 105 degrees the second. It was awful. So we got the best conditions, right? Mm -hmm. So in one sense, it's like I can't cry wolf. On the other sense, it was a tough draw. Like you, I don't know how much it impacts you at that regard in a 5k. I don't know what your, what do you think your thoughts are? So what happened here is I'll just walk you the first one. I ran 1528. Okay. 1528. I was 28 seconds off. Um, in this race, I basically, I got up that morning, went to work, tried to take a nap in the middle of the day. Couldn't took 300 milligrams of caffeine at 9:45 at night. Didn't know what planet I was on. Started the race. There's 30 of us. I'm seated like 20 something. I end up taking seventh because the heat impacted people so much. I think I ran well. Um, I didn't feel a thing for a mile. And if the listeners remember me, um, talking about this, it was the weirdest thing. Like I went out and I was floating and then suddenly I wasn't. Right. I mm -hmm. went from floating to the exact opposite. And so I had a really hard time feeling out the pacing. So, um, my lap splits or my mile splits are inaccurate because my watch read 3.2 instead of 3.1, but it says I went nine seconds slower in mile two than I did in the opening mile. So I slowed down by nine seconds a mile. And if anybody knows me, I'm sort of a metronome, right? Like I don't really mess up like that. I'm pretty good. I don't fade generally. I know my body pretty well, but the heat just, I couldn't account for it once mm -hmm. I overheated. So I lost nine seconds on that next mile. And then I got four seconds back on the third mile. So I picked it up and then I kicked home quite quickly. But anyways, I came through in 1528, well off of my goal. Didn't know what to make of it due to the heat. Worked really hard. It was the most intense I've hurt in my adult last five years as far as like the sting when it hit it hurt hit more um but i was really proud of my time compared to those who had much better resumes around me those who had run under 15 minutes in the recent year so so that one um that one i got mixed feelings i would say afterwards but i just knew i was happy i went there it was 10 p.m and i raced well um my takeaways from this race I wasn't over speed training enough. I had realized that I was doing a lot of long grindy stuff, which was great. And I was doing some over speed training, but as I've gotten older, it doesn't come as easy anymore. Going out and running 65 for a quarter in training, like, isn't just second nature. I have to, I had to fight for it. And I realized I wasn't, I don't do a lot of that work anymore. And I'm going to, I was going to need that in order to break 15 minutes. And so I had, so I immediately, you and I talked about it, Brack, and I flipped the script and it was, I basically hardly did any long runs the next month between the 5k, the two 5ks. I shortened the duration of them, if anything. And I over speed trained every week hard. Mm -hmm. 
eights, fours, twos, eights at sub 5k pace, which is very painful, by the way, mile repeats at goal 5k pace. That maybe sounds like that'd be a joke. It's not. It actually sucks. That was mm-hmm. my longest type session. And so I flipped the script there right away being like, oh, like I just didn't feel efficient running 448 pace, which is what I needed to do to run 15 minutes. So big takeaway was for me, <clears throat> the opposite of Bracken. As I've gotten older, my ability to open up and turn over has degraded slightly. And that used to be my strength, but I turned my strength into a weakness ish and my weakness into a strength, which used to be stay power. So I did good. I fixed one problem, but just lost sight of maybe, uh, I didn't feed my strength, my previous strength enough. And so takeaway was like, I need to find turnover. I just need to find it and it needs to come naturally. And the way to do that was to overexpose. So I went through a four week block of that. So that would be that Tracksmith Twilight 5000, the first of two. And then it paid off right away. Got hotter and you got faster. <clears throat> yes. So I guess, did you race? Should I just go right into it then? Yeah, I go right into finish it. This off. So then exactly four weeks later was the second rendition when they came to Twin Cities and we got the tough draw of the, um, the heat wave. On this day, I didn't feel particularly good. My warm-up felt sluggish. My heart rate was through the roof in my, in my shakeout warm-up. I was like, this is, I had a stomach ache. I was in the bathroom, like naked, sharp pains. And like, I was like, what? Like I'm here, I'm going to race. But I was like, this is going to be, this could be a bad day. I had that in the back of my head. We've all been there. <clears throat> and I'm not so worried when my legs feel sluggish in a warm up. It's more when that heart rate wants to jump on me and my legs are sluggish. Then I start to wonder like, maybe I'm, I got some metabolic recovering to do or something. Anyways, we get into the race and I said, okay, there was a 15 flat pacer and I went, I went out on the nuts. Again, I didn't let the temperature or anything affect. It was 91 degrees at start. I went through in 446 through first mile in a lot of pain. If I'm being honest, I was already like, oh crap. Came through the two mile in 938, which is a post-collegiate two mile PR, I guess. 938 is exactly... 15 minute pace if I carried that through and then bled out the last mile, practically 17 of those seconds and passed people while doing so. And I crossed the finish line in 1517. Um, my heart rate average to this date is still the highest I have seen. I averaged 182 beats per minute for a 5k for me in adult life. That is unfathomable. Um, and I left absolutely everything. I don't think I could have run a second faster that day if my life depended on it. I overspeed trained in the lead up, as I said. It came more naturally on a day in which, truthfully, my legs didn't feel as good as they did the previous 5K a month earlier. I had a day, maybe it was just I wasn't quite on for some reason. And I still showed up and ran faster. Oh, my Strava says it was 90 degrees, not 91. That was a liar. Um, Can't be trusted can't be trusted. And that was that. And I, I literally left that. And that was the second race in my life where I left and thought something was wrong with me. When I got done, I was like having vertigo and unstable. My heart rate was stayed in the one forty. I was like one thirty, like 15 minutes after the race, I'd worked so hard and my heart rate was so high that like I was trying to run and my legs felt like they were going to give out from underneath me and the cool down. I was like, not really making sense. Like I could, like I was effed up. Mm-hmm. from a 15 minute race. Um, so proud what I'm left with on that. Now we're looking at 2024 is 
was 1517 on that day, if it were 20 degrees cooler, which it always typically is at that time of night, if it was even 70, a lot of times we even get upper 60s, mid 60s that time. Would that have been enough to help? Would I have run faster? Would I have run oh, 15 sure. minutes? You th- do you think you would have been 15 0 think- at the worst? <clears throat> I yeah, and it just eats at me. It eats at me because I executed, I sucked it up, I ran so hard and so well. Took fifth place, by the way. Placement doesn't matter, but guys drop like flies. The guys all behind me have run 1440s in recent year or two. They've all this guy's like I ran fourteen forty three indoors and he ran fifteen twenty nine that day, right? He's like, mm-hmm. Oh my god, you'd have been under fifteen for sure, a couple of the guys said to me, but like I didn't I didn't. I didn't run under fifteen. I don't have that I don't have that accolade. And so when people were asking me about like what are you gonna do next year and you gotta go hybrid, you gotta go hybrid, you gotta go hybrid. Like if you were me and you finished that five K in ninety degree heat and ran fifteen seventeen, would your ass be going to hybrid or would you go try to solve some unfinished business? Right? And so that's how the taste got left from the yeah. year. And you said people might be sick of you talking about 40, but here's why it matters. Because you don't know how many more shots you get at this. You don't know. If you get an injury like I've had or like you've had, now you're 41. And now maybe that 1517 is a 1520, 1522. You just don't know how many more shots you get at high-end fitness and decent weather at the same time. You you just don't know how many more exist. And so from that lens, through that lens, I fully understand why you need to get that off your back because I'd be feeling the exact same way. You can do the running math and say that was a 15 minute or a 1508 or a 1458 <clears throat> or a 1450. You, you could do the running math and logically arrive there. And so, yeah, you can't abide by that. You can't just let that sit there and say, oh, I know I could have. That doesn't matter. That's not on paper. It's like me saying, I, I think I could have been top 10. That's great. I get to think that, but it didn't happen. Mm. And so do you need right. it? And you know what's con- maybe a little would sound contradictory is if let's say it was 65, which it was the previous year for the Twilights. It got great weather. It was I looked, it was 67 one night at start and the other night was in the 60s as well, the previous year for these Twilights. Um. If it was 68 degrees and I ran 15.01, I would be, it would gnaw at me less than running 15.17 and 90 degrees. I would actually, yes, I would need to chase it, but like with the same, I need to be validated in my fitness. And I, I don't know if 15.17 did that for me on that day. And so I'm more drawn to trying to break 15, even though I'm 17 seconds away versus if I'd run 15.01 in good conditions. Which I know sounds a little bizarre, but that's how I feel. No, I get that. You do? Yeah, for sure. Hmm. So that's my recap. That's it. Then I then I basically deer hunted my face off for two and a half months in the fall, and it was fantastic. And I did something else I loved, and that's why I didn't race. Um, and now I'm building back up. So there I have it. And I think you still have two more races? Yeah. So that then brings me to my probably most important race of the year for me confidence wise which would be the michigan spartan super that i went to wow a round of applause for that i love that race for you loved it it was important i went back and did the thing that i used to be good at and had success doing it but it was not given to me along the way 
I had some struggles on course, I had some successes on course, and I feel like I left with an accurate depiction of where my fitness lot lies in or laid in that moment and also was rewarded for staying in it and working hard and it was just a good day and it was in the slop it was in bad conditions like there was no there was no enjoyment of waking up that morning there was ice on the there was frost on the windshield of the car it was 37 and raining at the start it was just set up for you have to make a decision to do well if you want to do well the race won't come to you and that's important again along this 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 path of breaking up mental and physical scar tissue that type of race was very important for me to go through and to come out the other side and say, okay, I'm not afraid of the super distance right now. I'm not afraid of bad weather and wet obstacles and technical terrain running. And on, again, it was in the dark. We had to wear uh, headlamps or you weren't even allowed to start. This, this tested my quad and my knees and my everything that needed to be tested on terrain that was designed to tweak your legs side to side and it passed all of those things and so yes the wind was great but i said it after the race and i'll reiterate it now with a half mile to go as i'm chasing down logan trying to in that moment i realized it doesn't matter if i catch him or not because i'm trying and that sounds really corny but it it, it was it was the truth mm -hmm. i'd gotten through the bad you were parts. racing I was racing and I was letting it loose. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, who cares? I was allowed to let it loose by my body and by my myself. And that's so that was like the that was the pinnacle of my year because it it reaffirmed a lot of things I needed to be affirmed on in order to move forward with fitness and training and confidence. And it still showed me that it took until the last stride of the race to get into the lead. If one other thing doesn't go your way, this doesn't happen today. Like you did great, but there's a lot of caveats. If I'm Logan, I'm I have a lot of logical thoughts that explain why I was the better racer, and he was right. He was the better, and that's fine. It's all like I needed both sides. I got a bit of humbled and a bit of confidence and a whole lot of momentum from that race. So it was just the most important single race, maybe even single run of my year. Yeah, you could hear the collective roar of the running public uh, listeners after you had had won. It was uh, it was a good day if you were a Bracken Crocker fan. I'm sure you got a lot of messages. It felt very, <clears throat> I don't know, felt very forthcoming of the, uh, or felt very like, I don't know what the word, not symbolic, maybe symbolic, symbolic of like the progress and the comeback. I think. I think that was the label of that episode. Like, don't call it a whatever, mm -hmm. some comeback title, right? Like, it felt felt validating. Yeah, it did. It did. And it and I said it about several races this year, but it felt like permission to do more. And then quickly turned around uh, with my leg dinged up after the race, unsure if it was real injury pain or just random race pain. And so I didn't run for a month and then tried high rocks and was immediately shown you don't have the underlying fitness to do that. You can't do that. You haven't earned that yet. But it was again, right after I started running again and the pain <clears throat> went away. So it was again, permission to do more. I have to do more in order to be able to jump into races, which is my love language of running is jumping into races. And I have to do more to be able to absorb the bumps throughout the journey. Like I can't count on 
Michigan's happening every time where it's the perfect weather for my race style. It's the perfect terrain for my, my race ability. It's everything worked out. Per, that That's not going to exist in the world very often. I need to have the underlying fitness to absorb all the nonsense that happens. And that does not exist yet, but I'm in the process of building it. So again, it was permission and a kick in the pants to do more. That's kind of best case scenario. 100%. You get to win and got a kick in the pants. Well, I mean, yeah. coming off of coming off of that race and then, I mean, what is what does High Rocks tell you? And it kind of hid, right? Because you guys won, didn't you? We thought we did. And then someone from a later heat beat our time. Oh, is that what it was? Which is, again, like best case scenario. Braden just finished his carding season, his <laughs> second season of carding, and he won the league. He had it won coming into the last week, and he got beat in the last race. Someone put him into the wall with like a lap and a half to go, and he got bumped to fourth and could only make his way back up to second, and he lost. It was like perfect. He was so bummed out, and Lisa and I were talking. like We couldn't have scripted this better. You had a great success, and you left with a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> like That's perfect. That's the way a season either end it perfectly or end it like that. Those are the two best ways to end. Yeah, I agree with that. So what, so any takeaways, I guess, just real quick. So you, you sort of outlined your takeaways from volume. the Spartan race. Volume, 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 volume. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was still not training myself the way I would train others. I was letting my mental scar tissue of past injuries and dings and nicks. I was letting that, I was using it as permission to do less. Mm. And then as soon as I started doing more, like, oh my goodness, this feels so much better. I enjoy this more. I feel better. And immediately my fitness started moving. So it was, again, permission and a kick in the pants to do more. So for me, it's all about volume and consistency. So that was a November race, right? Yeah. Early November. So what have you been doing since then? And I'll talk about what I've been doing and then we'll. So I've just started my 2024 build already. My goal has been to have an hour to two of cardio every day and take an off day when needed. No scripted off days. Just listen to my body and take it when needed. And so I was at like five hours and then six and then seven and eight and nine. Um, and so I've been hitting right around nine or 10 the last few weeks and feeling pretty good. And this will be a down week because of this basketball tournament. I'm just too old to do both simultaneously. But then it's right back to it. And in filling in the time, no matter what, no matter how I have to do it. If I can't run, then I jog uphill. And if I can't jog, jog uphill, then I'm on the spin bike or the assault bike or the road. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm getting the time done allowing the running to fill in a higher percentage of that in theory each week or every few weeks yep. until I get to the point I want to be in. I think that's the, uh, that's the recipe. Yeah. Nothing sexy. That's exactly the recipe. At least one leg builder per week, one longish run per week, and then baby runs, baby run workouts and machine workouts filling in all the rest. I like that plan, though. We kind of had a chat about that. Uh, what was it? To start one of our, our more recent episodes. Yeah. Nothing sexy, right? Nothing flashy. No hero, necessarily hero efforts or workouts. Just can show up every day and do something. With five weeks of that. With thought behind it. Yep. I've completed five. And it's funny. I just did this. Uh, I'm doing this. I, the, the war tempo, worst available route, where I just, there's this power line that doesn't get 
they, they they have a bike path next to it, and then next to it, they just let the grass go. So I don't feel bad tearing it up when it rains. So whenever it rains, I'm tempoing on that because they just let it grow all year. So I don't. It's one of those you can run off trail without causing damage because they don't care about the damage. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like already I'm running the pace through swamp now that I was running for flat ground tempo in March. Like the process Dude. is continuing. I'm not nearly as fast as I'll need to be, but it's. The progression is there. I'm seeing the noticeable results. It's uh, look down and I'll run between 550 and 610 pace on this stuff. Well, what? Six weeks ago, four weeks ago, I ran 545 <laughs> on the roads for five miles. Like it's not taking, right. we're responders. We don't have to do anything crazy. We just have to consistently do it. You didn't talk about your road race now that you brought it up. That's true. I ran a five mile turkey trot and it was very uninspiring in terms of performance and again exactly what i needed to feel in terms of a reminder that this stuff doesn't come free Mm. yeah as um as for me i basically haphazardly ran for another month after that 5k got myself to deer hunting season bow hunting which is might be my favorite thing to do i don't know there'd be a there's a pretty good conversation to be had about which i enjoy more endurance training or being out in the woods so I uh, put no emotional energy into my training at all for literally two months, like zero, like emotional. So I didn't think about it, worry about it. I put my, took 10 days off of running 11 days, actually didn't work out at all to reset. And then I took it as it came three, three days a week, the first two weeks of running four days a week, the next two days, weeks of running five days a week, the following uh, two weeks of running with no rush at all and started to build some pretty dang good fitness already. And then couple bouts of getting sick. I got a tooth pulled. Uh, I'm missing a back molar. And I was on like 600 milligrams ibuprofen like three times a day. And I ended up having to be on it for over a week because I got a dry socket. But nonetheless, my running was going really well. And I was feeling no pain because I was on all these NSAIDs. And so I was putting in good volume and like feeling pretty good. Then as soon as I stopped taking the NSAIDs, my shins just fired right up on me. And that's been the last three to four weeks now. It's like my shins came out of nowhere. They were like invincible and I was feeling good with my running. And then now, I mean, if I run around twice last, like if I run twice this week outside, I'll be doing good with maybe no other only incline hiking in between. So not feeling super efficient or great about it right now. I'm, t- I'm but I could push through, but I'm choosing to be smart. I, if I'm going to have a chance at sub 15 in the 5k or maybe get up to marathon training volume, I can't, I can't run it into a fracture and then not be able to train. So I'm just practicing right. caution. I'm trying to be smart right now. And so I'm not feeling super pumped about my fitness, but I'm also like, I also know I'm a few weeks of consistency to probably feeling really good about myself again. So I'm just going to listen to my body. I got about a sickness now. So it's an excuse to take an extra day off <clears throat> and I'm going to take it as it comes. There's no rush. There really isn't a rush. It will come to me when it's supposed to. And so, um, all we can do is pay now. Bracken has shoved that down my throat to the point where I now shove it down your throat. It's pay now or pay later. And even though I'm not happy with my current training the last three weeks, I'm choosing to pay now. So that's how I'm ending, kind of ending my year on a, on a, a, a whimper, to be honest. I'm limping in while you're charging, but, um, I got, I got confidence that that will change. So, yeah. So that's how my year wrapped up. <clears throat> This was probably your best overall year of running since I've known you. And it's been really, really cool to watch how fast you've become. And really, we don't plan on getting into this today, I don't think, because we didn't. But like this dates back to detox. Like That was a significant turning point in your mm-hmm. running style and fitness. And it feels like every 
semester of the year since then every quarter of the year has just been better and so yeah you mm. you you're having a down moment now but used to have these with full structure full fractures like every six to nine weeks it felt like something happened so this has been the yeah. best stretch of running that you've had since i've known you and it's really cool to watch yeah well thanks yeah you know and then you can hindsight it um, not sleeping enough, like during bow hunting season, I'm getting up at 4am and sometimes like, I just wasn't sleeping a lot. Right. My nutrition kind of goes out the window a little bit. Um, I wanted, then I'm playing catch up at work cause I'm playing too much when I'm not at work. And so then it's long days of that. And I think it's the sum of all parts, right? I wasn't mm -hmm. eating that great. Wasn't sleeping quite enough. Um, running on roads all the time, sometimes running a little too fast. I wasn't really doing a great job of 80, 20 recently. And I think it's, that's why I'm where I'm at, but like, <clears throat> I'm not going to sit here and cry over it. Like I'll get myself back to square. And then for you, it's like, it's like, we're going to just pull the curtains open on 2024. Right. And be like, mm -hmm. how far is Bracken going, going now? So like, I'm very excited to see, because I think you got yourself 2023 was a year of like getting yourself back to being able to make choices. I really yep. feel like now, like you can make choices with your training, maybe with your racing, um, with your health, like all of it, it's like, Hey, like you somehow got yourself to a point where there are decisions to be made, not like my back's against a wall. And I have one decision to make at this time, recover yeah. or take time off or focus on my quad strength. It feels like it's a good position to be in. Maybe not running as much as you possibly could just because you're being smart versus riding the line constantly at the bare minimum. Like, I just think it's, I don't know, it's pretty encouraging. Very much so. And, and that's exactly it. Options. I've been tinkering around with mm. how my training plan needs to look each week, just based off what I've been feeling, because I haven't set a very specific training plan, more like a, a goal of what to hit per week, how I hit it is up to my body. But now it's like, all right, yep. should I be doing more trail interval work or should I stick to treadmill or is it time to do more hills? Or I think I should start spinning some fast 200s or something like that. It's no longer... I need to stay on the bike and the rower in 10% incline. It's, there are so many options available now that now I get to start playing with that, which I still need to abide by like both at the same time. Stick with the simplicity that got me mm -hmm. here, but play with some new fun toys along the way. It's like, don't I, if I can hold myself back from myself with the intensity and instead channel that into volume, I think 2024 is set up to, to, to go well. It's making sure that I don't get in my own way. That's sort of the name of the game with this endurance stuff. I feel yeah, like it is. you can just stay out of your own way. You're probably going to have success. Just think of how you started 2023 where you were at. I mean, where were you at in January, 2023? Hardly running, not running. monitoring. Were you running? Not run. I mean, so look at your starting point here. Your platform is notably higher, right? Your piggy bank has a lot more money in it. Uh, January 2023, I went for my high. first outdoor run in 11 or 12 Maybe you weeks. need to take a step back and take a step back and just appreciate that for what it is and see how far you look where we're at. Talking the about good nine thing hours is, of volume. I pretty much do every day <coughs> appreciate it right now. Mm, I pretty much appreciate every run I get to do. And I don't know how long that'll last for. Maybe this is just the new me. I've gone through enough years of this to finally just... Stop saying I'm not injury prone. That was just like a slew of bad luck. I went 30 years with no injuries. I'm not, I'm not injurious. That's not, that's not me to finally saying I'm injury prone, but I'm, I'm better now. Mm -hmm. 
I'm doing better. It's not gone, but I'm doing better. And because of that new perspective that maybe I am injury prone, every run matters in a good way to me right now. So still, as of right now, I'm appreciating it all. New year, same you, less crap. Less crap. Less crap. That's the bumper sticker. Um, all right. Well, I'm... I'm happy with what we uncovered today. I feel that was helpful for me to talk through it. I hope it was helpful for you guys to listen and for you, Bracken, as well. Yeah. And I'll end with a thank you. It's another year of <laughs> everyone who's listening right now making the choice to listen to us once or twice a week for another entire year. And I don't think we could overstate our appreciation for that, how much it means for us, how much it means when we get out to races and you come up and talk to us or we see you in your, in our running public gear, or you take us in your posts, even though I probably don't see them right away saying, Hey, thank you so much for the online plan. Or I've been listening to this and I read this book because of what you said. And it made a difference. Those things are what keep us fired up about this whole endeavor. So thank you very much. Yeah. I uh, very much share that sentiment. And um, as a reminder and speaking of feeling supported, you got till January 1st to write that review to get entered into a free year of the running public training plan of your choice. All you got to do is write a review. Just the stars won't cut it. You got to write something. Then you'll go into the uh, the number corral and we'll shake you around and we'll see who comes out on top. But don't forget to do that. It would mean a lot to us as well. It's really our Christmas gift from you, um, you know, symbolically, so to speak. So, um I don't know if we got anything else other than that. I hope everybody had a good holiday. Be kind to yourself. If you get a little pudgy, don't worry. You'll work it off here in the new year. Don't worry about that too much. Enjoy that time. Just wake up and get your run in. You know, dry yourself out that way. That's fine. We're all allowed to play a little bit, right? Just make sure it doesn't become too uh, repetitive of a habit and you'll be fine. I've had a lot of people beat themselves up this last week or two about missing stuff or traveling for family stuff or I... I got a couple athletes who are also trying to lose weight and they backtrack slightly while doing so. And it's like, oh man, you enjoy this now because this new year, same you, less crap starts Monday. So enjoy the remainder of it. And on that, it's a good note. Happy 2023. Let's see you in 2024.